It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 21st, 2020. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprrr_omd. underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about some of the Orlando Magic documentaries we'd like to see made. Now that we've finished The Last Dance, I've got two magic documentaries specifically that I think need to get made immediately. Well, or not immediately, but in in the near future. Some magic stories that we'd like to see in a more extended form. We'll talk about that coming up in just a bit. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. No matter what team you're looking for, whether it's in the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, or NHL, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Before we get into some fun and discuss uh, the the magic stories that we might want to see put on film in some capacity, uh, there is a bit of news. Uh, There is some movement, it seems, in the world and some movement worth discussing uh, just a little bit. Here in Central Florida, we are beginning to slowly see the economy and see uh, the engines of the Central Florida economy kick back on. Now, obviously, the tourist development tax is one of the main main areas of of income for Orange County, and and that's going to be hurting for a little while. So, you know, no new renovations to the Amway Center coming anytime soon, most likely, at least if the county was going to help. 
Um, but one of the big things that started to happen uh, last week, Universal Orlando uh, reopened City Walk, its entertainment district attached to the theme parks. And so while the theme parks remain closed, restaurants, bars, shopping is starting to come back online, of course, with social distancing and safety precautions in place. So it's it's not fully back. It's not all the way back. And it, that's going to be a little while longer. On Wednesday, though, a significant step took place as well. On Wednesday, Disney reopened its entertainment complex, Disney Springs. Now, this is a, you know, again, not a, a huge thing, obviously, where we're seeing plenty of retail places open, reopen and, and begin to kind of resemble normal life, obviously. Again, social distancing. Most, most, most places are requiring masks, um, you know, limited capacity. We're, we're seeing things begin to kick on. But Disney's reopening is a little bit different, at least when it comes to the NBA. On top of all this, before we dive into the NBA update of it all, uh, reporting from several outlets here in Central Florida say that Universal Orlando, Walt Disney World, and SeaWorld Orlando plan to submit their reopening plans to the Orange County Board of County Commissioners. These theme parks, the major theme parks here in Central Florida, cannot reopen until the County Commission has given them permission to do, to do so, have given have approved their plan to reopen, and then the state will allow them to reopen. So the fact that all three parks are already submitting their plan, and I'm sure they've been working on them for, for a long time, but the fact that these parks are making moves to reopen is A, both a, a, a recognition of the reality of the economic situation, but it's also a sign that there is the capacity to handle large crowds or larger crowds. I wouldn't say that they won't be at full capacity when they reopen, but it's a signal that, yes, Disney is ready to be a major player in the economy once again. It's ready to get itself back going. And part of that formula does appear to involve the NBA. Sham Sharania and Sam Amick of The Athletic, both reporting that indeed Disney is the favorite at the moment to host the NBA's restarted season. That there is momentum within both NBA owners and yes, even players to have to have everyone go to Disney, be in a, a the way Adam Silver is describing it is a campus environment. I, I don't think a bubble, I don't think it'll be a true bubble. I don't think that they'll be able to keep everyone out, but the signs are all pointing that they believe that Orlando and Central Florida and Orange County and Osceola County will be, and Florida in general, I guess, will be able to provide sufficient testing to players and staff, both hotel staff and team staff, to ensure that they can root out any infection that might occur. I don't think that there's a, there's a, there's a sense that the bubble can be contaminated that they can root out any infection that might occur and largely keep it out. Here in Central Florida, here in, Orla- in the Orlando area in Orange County, we are still in single digits of new cases, despite, very, I would say, a pretty robust testing regimen. 
I would, I would admit, I have personally not been tested. I don't, don't think there's a requirement for you to get tested, but it, it does seem like, at least here in Orange County, that if you want to be tested, you can go to a drive through testing center. You can find a, a place that the county has provided to allow you to test, to get tested. I, I, don't, I don't believe there are any restrictions on testing at this, at this moment. And so, yes, while this is still pretty serious and, and there's still been you know, far too many deaths and far too many uh, infections of this disease. Orlando and Orange County, at least among major metropolitan areas, have been on the low end of the scale. And again, I, 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 I really, I mean, we're not out of the woods yet. It's not time to pat any pat ourselves on the back. But I do want to commend Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings, who's been very, very much in front of all this and, 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 and been a leader on this, on this matter. Um, you know, I, I, I do think you know, while I, I I do think Governor Ron DeSantis has done a good job, although I think I think some of his economic policies and bringing people back has been a little fast, but things you know things seem to be moving in the right direction. And and again, you know, I, I I'm not going to blame the guy for being so opportunistic with the with the economy and bringing sports into the state, but if there's if the testing's there, if the data is there that says they can do it and they can handle it, so be it. Between WWE, between UFC, between all the events that have already been hosted in Florida, uh, the golf, the golf events that are going, the golf event that went on last week, that and that's going on this week, it it does seem like Florida does have the capability to handle this. And I also want to commend Disney and Universal because they closed, you know, the NBA closed first, and Disney and Universal closed shortly thereafter, and, and them closing. As early as they did, and, and if, again, if you know this area, Disney and Universal do not close unless it is a major disaster. Hurricane, they'll close for hurricanes, but the minute that hurricane's gone, they're cleaned up and ready to open back up. Um, 9-11, I think they closed uh, for a few days. That, 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 that's really the only times that I can remember Disney and Universal just straight up shut down. And, you know, this two-month absence uh, of the theme parks is really unprecedented since since they moved down here. But it does seem like Disney is now in a position where it can host the NBA. And reporting certainly suggests that too. Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports, who we've had on the show before, friend of the show, um, was really the first person that 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 you know publicly floated the idea of Disney being the host city. And, and we've talked about it a little bit on this show, why Disney has advantages. The ESPN Wide World of Sports, which may also end up hosting MLS, uh, in, in some type of round-robin tournament format, um, has mul- multiple, not only multiple soccer fields, multiple basketball courts, multiple gyms that players can use as for practice as well as for games. Um, it is not impossible to believe that they will be able to get everyone into the into that facility and into that space and knock out a bunch of games. That is literally what the what the venue is built for. Not only that, they have hotel space to house everyone. It is private property, so you know you're not worried about uh, about federal, about state regulations, city regulations, no ordinances or anything like that. If they need to cordon off Coronado Springs or they need to cordon off one of the hotels, easy, easily done. If they need to cordon off part of the property, easily done. It is private property, and I think that's one of the advantages that the league sees. Uh, but sources tell Keith Smith that. Disney is already preparing for the NBA. That they're already beginning to set themselves up to host the NBA. And of course, with Disney partnering with ESPN, with, with uh, 
the NBA for with ESPN as well as the NBA experience at Disney Springs, it is certainly pointing in the direction that the NBA is going to start in Orlando in, in Orlando at Disney sometime in June or July. Nothing though is set in stone. That should be made abundantly clear. Uh, among the other places that are being considered, according to Shams and uh, Sam Amick, are Las Vegas, which again some of the same elements that Disney has, lots of hotel space and and, and facilities that the NBA is probably more used to than, than Wide World of Sports, as well as Houston uh, getting into the mix. But Disney seems to be the favored location. And now it's just a matter of Adam Silver making the announcement and determining when it will be safe and okay for the, for the league to do this. It is May 21st. I think we're expecting a decision from Adam Silver here in the next couple weeks. Um, I think he said last week that it would be two to four weeks before a final decision was made, before the commissioner would make it make a decision on the on the season. Um, and again, the trends around the country are at least moderately encouraging. Certainly here in Florida and here uh, in Central Florida specifically, it is definitely encouraging. Um, I think I think you know even with things reopening, I think. Things have generally been pretty stable. You know, I I, I work downtown. I live downtown. Uh, I, I would say that you know it's busier, but it's not like full bore busier. I, I don't think people are. I think people are taking their social distancing very seriously still, and I think that's all a good sign. So it does look like the NBA is getting set to come to Disney, um, and of course we'll we'll keep following the story and we'll keep updating you as it continues. But it's it's certainly. Regardless of whether it happens at Disney or not, it's certainly good to see everything begin to kick back on and seeing a league like the NBA that just again very deliberate with its decision making and, and Disney, you know from what I've from what I've read and what I've what I've what I've learned about them, you know has put in safety guidelines for their for their cast members, which is which is vital at this point. We will see. Well, we will see just how quickly the NBA can come back. And, and, and again, the NBA is very methodical with all this, as they should be. But it does seem like things are generally moving in the right direction once again. We've all had that post-workout kind of exhale where you know where, where, where all the energy just kind of leaves you but you know you still got a day ahead of you and and really no workout is complete if you don't back it up with some protein and to get the you know protein those protein bars they don't always taste great I mean I I've gone through a few protein bars I'm always a little skeptical when I'm looking at the protein bar aisle when I see something and it says says it's like cookies and cream and I'm just like is it really gonna taste like cookies and cream you know, I'm not a big nuts. I'm not a big kind of like those those antioxidant berries guy. So protein bars can be a little bit tough. Um, but there is a solution. It's called Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors, both nut and nut-free, and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. These are the these are the protein bars that you want to eat. You know, don't don't eat them all the time though. I mean. Yes, eat them all the time, but, you know, with your workout, meal replacement, all that stuff, you know, you don't want to go too crazy. But Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, which is good, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Check out the Mint Brownie Bar. 
15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I think we're all still in a little bit of withdrawal over the completion of The Last Dance. Um, to, to you know, obviously ESPN pushed this up in their calendar. They were planning to release it during the NBA Finals. It's kind of a thing to watch in between Finals games, which all would have been awesome. But frankly, I think it would have overshadowed the Finals, which is unfair to the current players in, in, in a lot of ways. With the pandemic and everyone at home and no sports, ESPN really did give us a gift uh, by airing these ten episodes over the last five weeks. Um, it, it it was honestly I said I, I felt this after the first two episodes. It just felt nice to have appointment television again. I mean, when was the last time we all s- sat and watched something communally like that? Um, you know, I, I, the last thing that I can think of that was a non-sporting event, non-live sporting event, was Lost, um, which I got really into. I don't know if everyone else got really into that, but but Lost Lost was one of my favorite TV shows, and that that. Yeah, I mean, each episode, I mean, might might have been because I was in college and literally we would all sit and watch this show every single week. That really felt like a communal event. So it, it was good to have this. And of course, for all of us that watched Michael Jordan, you know, maybe needed a little bit of a reminder of how he played, that was such a great refresh. And yes, there are, re- there are things we can criticize about the documentary, but even if you criticize the documentary for, for those things, for... for whatever you want to criticize it for. It was still an entertaining 10 hours. And, you know, I'm just coming off watching Game 6, the movie, which was really fascinating to watch, actually. Uh, they So what they did on ESPN on Wednesday was they aired the raw footage that the documentarians collected, that the film crew collected from Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals with the with the NBC, with the, the TV broadcast laid over. So they, they only aired kind of that raw footage. And it was fascinating to watch. It was a very different experience, but it was still a lot of fun. It was, it was just, it was a very unique way to watch that game. I think I've watched that game back once before. So this was my second time watching and obviously watched kind of the cinematic version of it. Um, it, it was really fascinating to watch. And so it's going to be kind of tough to say goodbye, you know, again to Michael Jordan and, and, and what made those Bulls teams great. And of course, we're saying goodbye and waiting for basketball to return. Um, you know, that's, that's also the truth of it, that, you know, we don't, we don't quite know when basketball is going to be back. It seems like it's going to be back, you know, in the next month or so, but we're all sitting and waiting for it to, to, to come back too. And it had me thinking, what other stories are there to tell? Especially when it comes to the Orlando Magic. Obviously, there is no Magic team worth a 10-part documentary. And yes, the Magic already had their documentary. If you haven't watched this Magic moment, 
Um, I actually have it on my to-do list to watch it again. It's been a while since I've, I've watched it. Um, it is a fascinating... I, I thought this magic moment was a fascinating look at a team that really defined the mid-90s for a lot of people. They were young, they were brash, and they were kind of gone before they really had a chance to mature. This magic moment to me is a, is a study in youth and, and the folly of youth and, and naivete and how... You know, how success can come very, very quickly, but it can also fall apart very, very quickly. And and to the to the people involved, you don't always know what you have until it's gone. Although I, I think that there's some revisionist history involved in, in the retelling of that story. But this magic moment is essential viewing for Magic fans, especially Magic fans who didn't watch the 95 Magic, who didn't get to see that team play. And again, a thanks to Fox Sports Florida for re-airing some of those 95 games. It has been a long time since I'd seen the 95 team play, and it was an absolute joy and pleasure to watch that team play. Um, I, I think I commented um, after watching uh, the 95 Eastern Conference Finals on Fox Sports Florida uh, last week or two weeks ago. I said, I, I apologize for ever thinking Shaq was better than Dwight Howard. I love Dwight, but Shaq was a monster and in and, and, and all the good ways. But this magic moment is not the only story to tell. And honestly, not the only interesting story to tell. Yes, we have that documentary. And yes, inside the magic, the Fox Sports Florida is kind of, I guess, you know, news magazine show has done some documentary style stuff. Um, they did the, the 30-year history retrospective last year, a two-part uh, kind of two-part one-hour two hour thing looking at all 30 years in Magic history with interviews with Dennis Scott and Tracy McGrady. It was, you know, not quite a narrative forum, but but it was a very interesting interesting look at Magic history. They've done a documentary on the 2009 uh, playoff run. They are uh, an hour, like, kind of hour thing recapping it. Um, they, they, they did a very documentary-style uh, following of the Magic this year for Inside the Magic. So, you know, there's definitely some of it out there. But there are still a lot more stories to tell. And honestly, a lot of stories that deserve perhaps a more independent eye, if we can find, if, if they could find one. No offense to the fine folks at Fox Sports Florida. We, we appreciate all of you, but, you know, we also get the perspective you're coming from. There are a lot of stories that deserve a more independent eye. And honestly deserve to be told, even if it's just for us in the Orlando market. One of the stories was hinted at, I think, in this magic moment. The first probably 10-15 minutes of the show of the documentary discuss how the magic became a team and what Orlando was like before the magic arrived. If you don't know the full story of how the Orlando Magic came into existence, it really is an incredible one. Um, by all accounts, this team should not exist in this city. In, in the late 80s, Orlando had Disney, yes, but there was no reason to come to Orlando. The city was very much in its youth. It was, it was the, the changing from agriculture and orange groves into a true city. And bringing in the Orlando magic gave the city just a little bit of legitimacy. It was, it was something that the city can call its own. And I've talked about this before. I do think Orlando has a little bit of an inferiority complex. We want to be noticed. We want to have the things that other big cities have because for most people, 
we're just the airport you stop at to go to Disney. You don't come to Orlando. There's, there's still people who, who, you know, who say bad things about Orlando because essentially they just spend the time at Disney and Universal and they say, oh, it's all plastic and, and you know, it's, it's chains. And yeah, Orlando honestly was like that even 10, 15 years ago. But Orlando's developed a little bit of its own identity. And, and I do think that the magic played a really important role in that. I would love to see that examination of how a basketball team helps a city grow. But the real main character of the story is Pat Williams. And honestly, there should be some type of documentary on Pat Williams and his career with a real focus on this Magic team. Pat Williams was the general manager of Philadelphia 76ers. He's been an NBA lifer, and he was convinced by Jimmy Hewitt, a local businessman here in Orlando, that this was the place to put a new NBA franchise. Jimmy Hewitt had this vision for Orlando and Pat Williams bought it. And then Pat Williams sold it and sold it and sold it and sold it. And an incredible job by Pat Williams to drum up support here locally for a team and to convince David Stern and the NBA owners that Orlando was a place to believe in. He turned out to be right. And it honestly... I'm curious, I wouldn't be surprised, if it was a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that because the Magic were here, because there was Major League Basketball, because there was a major professional sports team here, that all of a sudden Orlando got viewed a little bit differently. Pat Williams wrote a book of the experience of bringing the Magic to uh, uh, to existence. It was was kind of a diary uh, called Making Magic. Um, it's, It's... it's definitely a must-have for Magic fans if, if you don't already own it. And in it, you see all the concepts and ideas of how to sell this team. But again, it's a minor miracle that the Orlando Magic even exist. And I think while documentaries throughout Magic history, both this Magic moment and Inside the Magic, have touched on it, have told some of the basic stories, I think there is a bigger story to tell here of how a city grows up, how a city matures, how a city hits the big time. And I think there's a story to tell of how, of Pat Williams and how he made the impossible happen. I, I think that that is a documentary that, you know, if, if, if the Magic aren't going to make it kind of more honestly, the Orange County History Museum needs to make it. Or maybe it's an audio podcast. If you listen to like the 30 for 30 podcast, maybe it's an audio documentary. But I feel like this is a story that needs to really have a true representation. Just like the next two stories that I'm going to share with you coming up. You know, we're, we're talking about stories and storytelling. And, and Pat Williams is someone who has written a ton of motivational books. He is a tireless worker, even though he is retired from the Magic, retired from the NBA, he is still living that dream. Um, he is, he's kind of spearheading a second effort to bring professional sports to Orlando, trying to get a Major League Baseball team in Orlando. Well, with the, with the pandemic, I, I think that will be a little bit tougher to do because Orlando still needs a baseball stadium, but the Orlando Dreamers are still a thing, apparently, and, and he's still trying to drum up interest uh, in professional sports here in Central Florida, ma- making sure that this area continues to dream big thus the Orlando Dreamers. But if you're someone that 
doesn't always have the time to get through all those motivational books to come up with those great ideas, let me tell you about a useful app that will help you get through them. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers list, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had the time to. Check out such popular books as The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance by David Epstein, This Is Your Brain on Sports, The Science of Underdogs, The Value of Rivalry, and What We Can Learn from the T-Shirt Cannon by L. John Wertheim and Sam Somers, as well as Tiger Woods by Jeff Benedict. Not many winners quite like him. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So there are two more stories that I think deserve the documentary treatment in Orlando Magic. There are two stories above so many others that I think would tell really compelling stories. If we want to talk about underdogs, there's really only one team that defines the underdog spirit in Orlando Magic history. And it's a team that, honestly, while we revere them and talk about them a lot, I don't think we've ever really heard their story. I mean, sure, Bo Outlaw and Daryl Armstrong have talked about them kind of in passing when they've been asked about them, but we haven't really gone back and relived that season. We haven't really gone back and heard from John Gabriel and Doc Rivers and and all the members of that team, from Ben Wallace even. I think he would be a great person to talk to. And while the ending may not be a happy one as they ultimately fall short of the playoffs, I think the Heart and Hustle team deserves a much bigger place in Magic history. They, they, They got a big place already, don't get me wrong. But I feel like the Heart and Hustle team rides a lot on its reputation. And yet, 20 years later, I I don't feel like we have a good sense of it unless we were there. 
unless we remember that team specifically. And I was there. I, I do remember that game against the Bucks when they when they were ultimately eliminated from the playoffs in the penultimate game. I do remember that season just being surprised and shocked with how well they were playing and then just being all in on that team and, and how much fun those games were. But I don't remember maybe the inner strife or, or the struggle of that season. I think the Hard and Hustle team deserves a documentary. I mean, maybe not a national documentary. Maybe, maybe it's just an Inside the Magic, you know. But I, I feel like we need to track down everyone. What is Tarek Abdul-Wahad up to these days? Where is Ron Mercer? What about Chris Gatling? What about Ben Wallace? How do they look back on that season? Do they even register that season? Because there's a lot of veterans on that team. And ultimately, how did they feel about playing a season that they were essentially disposed of? If you don't know the story of the Hart and Hustle team, Essentially, after the lockout season in 1989, the Magic lose in the first round. Penny is healthy, but a shell of himself. Nick Anderson has a fantastic season, but he's been slowly declining. And the Magic ultimately decided it's time to pull the plug on any remnants of the 1995 season. Out goes Penny, out goes Nick, out goes Horse. And the Magic concocted a plan to essentially build a roster full of expiring contracts in hopes of going after the big fish. Obviously, on yesterday's podcast, we talked about one of those big fish with Tim Duncan, but the Magic had had dreams of acquiring multiple free agents, which they ultimately would with Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady. So this team was, from the beginning, a one-off team. They were not meant to last more than that one year. And if you believe the prognosticators and predictors... They were not supposed to win more than 20 games. That team was supposed to be bad. God-awful bad. And they're supposed to go into the draft, get a high draft pick, and add all those players. Add all those free agents, too. But Doc Rivers had different plans. He put all the, he put all the negative commentary about their season. Uh, you know, Some people claiming they were the worst team ever put together. And the team used it as motivation. Sparked by Daryl Armstrong as the team's leader. The Magic stunned everyone. They were the toughest out. Teams complained that they played too hard. That they were constantly after you. And while, yeah, they got blown out a few times and statistically they probably weren't as good as everyone really remembers, they stole games that they weren't supposed to win. And they proved to be a tough out throughout the season. Ultimately, they finished 41-41. and and had a chance to make the playoffs, or had a chance to stay in the playoff race on their home floor in the penultimate game, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks ultimately, I believe, by five. It was a close game. It, was, it, was, it came down to the, to the last few possessions. And so while that is an unhappy ending, that is a team that lives on forever, that all Magic fans know about. Even Magic players, I think, have learned enough of the history to know that team. But again, I don't think we've ever heard like Ben Wallace talk about that team. We've heard Daryl talk about the team. We've heard Bo talk about the team, but really talk about that team, like a deep interview. I don't think we've gotten that. And that is definitely a story that I would like to hear. I would like to see play out with highlights and everything. We need to, we need to really have something to appreciate this heart and hustle team for our posterity. But, you know, a documentary is only as good as the audience you can find for it. And while 
A heart and hustle documentary would certainly play well with Orlando Magic fans, at least Orlando Magic fans of a certain age. It's not getting the 30 for 30 treatment. It's not going on national TV. Now, maybe it'll get a 30 for 30 short, but it's, it's, not a, it's not a documentary for a national audience. Really, the next documentary that anyone would probably make for the magic on the magic for a national audience is probably one of the strangest and darkest times in magic history. And that, of course, is the Dwight Mare. No, it doesn't deserve the last dance treatment focused solely on that season, although maybe that would be a good structure for it. But the Dwight Mare was a culmination of a rise and fall story that is still frankly hard to believe. Dwight Howard entered the league so wide-eyed. He wanted to add the cross to the NBA logo and, and really dreamed of, of implementing that. He was you know, devoutly religious when he entered the league. He worked hard, became a dominant force, a dominant center, and then experienced success. All-star games, all-NBA teams, three-time defensive player of the year award. He's surefire Hall of Famer just based on his magic career. And then success came. He got the team to the 2009 finals. Everyone asked, can this guy be serious for a moment? And then all of a sudden, things really started to fall apart. The Magic couldn't get over the hump, couldn't get back to the finals. They made some managerial missteps that cost them dearly. And again, in a small market, you don't have that luxury. And then ultimately, Howard sought greener pastures all the while, seemingly becoming a bit jaded and really a different person. We've talked extensively about Dwight Howard and his career on this show uh, in the recent past. You can check our archives for that episode. But Howard's story is a fascinating one for just how quickly things fell apart for him. And of course, that Dwight Mare season was just a symptom of Dwight's flaws, the Magic's flaws, and really the changing landscape of social media in the NBA. I mean, there is nothing more surreal than Stan Van Gundy saying out loud what a lot of us in the media already knew, that Dwight had asked management to consider a coaching change, to to fire Stan Van Gundy. And Stan Van Gundy said it matter-of-factly, and then Dwight sidled up to him and put his arms around him and said, everything's okay now before denying that, denying everything that Stan Van Gundy said. It's a deeply embarrassing, and I think Stan Van Gundy's intentions were good to just kind of just get everything out in the open and put it away. It, it was not handled well. It, was, it, it did not have its intended effect. Most of us don't want to relive that Dwight Mayer year. But just like the last dance, understanding the rise and fall of a great player can be tough, but is necessary and is a part of your team's history nonetheless. If you haven't, Brian Schmitz, uh, then of the Orlando Sentinel, did write a book about the Dwight Mayor. It's, it's, it's I, I read it. It's essentially um, combining all the game reports and, and uh, reporting that he did throughout the, the, throughout the year. Um, if you read every article that year, which, which I did, and I read that book shortly after the season and after that season ended, um, if, if you read that, book, it, it reads very much like a lot of things you read in the Orlando Sentinel at the time. Um, 
obviously not not enough time has passed. Uh, I think going back and talking to a lot of these guys with the perspective of time and and, and understanding maybe what they were thinking uh, would be an interesting watch. I I do think that that would be an interesting watch. But undoubtedly, this is a strange story in Magic history and one that is going to get told in one form or fashion or another just how quickly Dwight went from one being one of the most popular players in the NBA to one of the least popular players in the NBA and really just a shell of himself uh, as injuries began to overtake his career. So I, I, I think a Dwight Mayer documentary would certainly carry some interest. Well, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr_md. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Don't forget to check out the latest episode of Locked on NBA. On today's episode, on the latest episode of Locked on NBA, Nick Engstad and Ben Golliver discuss the NBA's plan to return in mid-July and then imagine NBA history without Michael Jordan. Be sure to check that podcast out wherever you download podcasts. That's Locked On NBA. Um, but until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.